This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. What is up, my Beat Sorcerers? You are tuned into The 20 Podcast, and I am your host, DJ Spider. That is right. As always, our show is brought to you by BeatSource, the music streaming service for DJs that play everything. BeatSource has got all the music that you could need for every gig, along with expertly curated playlists, songs that no other record pools have, edits, uh, acapella intros, outros, so much stuff, transitions, and uh, these playlists, you're going to love them. So go on BeatSource.com for a free 30-day trial and use our code THE20 to bump it up to a 60-day trial and uh, let me know what you think. Uh, make sure you rate and review this podcast, the 20 podcast, on uh, whatever platform you're listening. So on YouTube, give us some thumbs up, give us some comments on Apple, give us some stars, give us some comments, it really helps us grow and uh, tell your friends. Let's keep this show growing. I do it for you guys, and I really appreciate the support I get back from you. Um, but now, I need to tell you about our guest this week. We have got somebody that is a Red Bull three-style champion, a DJ that is dope technically, but also super well-versed in music and able to play many styles. He's not afraid of technology or uh, pushing the envelope. We talk about DJ battles, including him winning the National Red Bull Three-Style competition, which is massive. We talk about him touring the world, growing up in Chicago, living now and DJing in Las Vegas, uh, switching from playing on laptops to USB sticks. We drop all the much-asked-about info. Uh, We are asked all the time about this info on the 360 cameras that we both use to film and post clips of our sets. Uh, we talk about his music production, original music and remixes, as long uh, as well as his music production for film and TV. Uh, we talk about him being a drummer and so much more. So please welcome to the show, Trentino. All right, here we are. It is the 20 Podcast. Welcome. We have got Trentino on the show today. Make some noise, everybody. Thank you, thank you. Yes. Blood out. That's right. Snoop gives you the blood out. It's official. <laughs> what up, man? How you doing? Oh, yeah. I'm good. Uh, good. Can't complain. Great, great. Great to see you. Glad we finally made this happen. We've been talking about it for a hot minute. Um, so, so excited to finally have you on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you are a man of many talents, a DJ battle champion, a drummer, a hiker, a music producer, and so much more. So I uh, want to introduce people that don't know you to some of those things, people that do know you, make sure they know everything about you. So um, yeah, man, just glad to have you here. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I realize most people listening probably know me from 3Style, and that might be the only thing they know. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'd like to kind of get a little more into my background, give people a better understanding of of everything. Right. And for people that are listening that maybe, you know, just are from somewhere else and don't know you, you know, at all, maybe um, Trentino is an absolutely incredible DJ in so many ways, uh, from technical ability to reading the room to music production to all over the place. This guy is incredible. And uh, 
you know, just one of your many accomplishments, like we talked about, is winning the Red Bull Three Style USA Championship, uh, beating out 125 other DJs in that competition. And we have to mention that the final competition was judged by DJ royalty, uh, A-Track, Jazzy Jeff, and Z-Trip. So it's not like you just won some random battle. The people judging it are like people that I've looked up to and just, you know, some of the most incredible DJs in the world. So to win that is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they judged regionals and nationals that year. Oh, my God. Yeah. So so that's a huge deal and just, you know, shows a lot about all the work you've put in over the years and to get to that point. And then that was even... When was that? Like five years ago or something? Ooh, more than that. Uh, <laughs> really? It was tw- yeah, 2013. Oh, shit. So that was nine like years ancient, ago. Yeah, it's ancient history at this point. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. Time time just flies. But, I mean, so that's what I'm saying is that so much has happened since then. You've moved around the country. You've done so much stuff. But um, I guess let's talk a little bit about 3Style, and then we'll get into all the other stuff that you've done, you know, since then and even before then. Um, You know, what was that whole experience like, even just coming from the beginning tryouts to the regionals to the nationals and then finally winning? Yeah, so I I first entered 3Style in 2011, um, Basically, that was the first year they were having it in Chicago. Yeah. And uh, the only reason that I found out it was happening was because I happened to run into uh, one of the Red Bull employees, Aaron Woody, at a club. And um, they sort of tipped me off that they were doing it. And then I, me, basically me and Big Once ended up hounding her for weeks to try to get into it because we knew we were going to be good. And honestly, I don't think we would have been invited if we hadn't, like just uh pushed for it ourselves right um and then yeah so that year i got second to big once in chicago he went on to win the u.s championship that year um and then 2012 came around they invited me and i actually declined um because i was really focusing more on production and electronic music um and i didn't feel like that was the right direction right and then 2013 rolled around and um, one of my, one of the people I knew at Red Bull called me to actually ask about another DJ that they were thinking about putting in it. And they ended up telling me about the judges and the prize money and the whole thing. Like basically 2013 in the U S was the biggest it ever was. Um, it kind of, yeah, they, it was a big step up from the previous years. Right. And then, you know, it, it ended up kind of getting smaller after that, but um, yeah, once they finished telling me about all this stuff, I was like, well, I guess I'll just do it because <laughs> it's a, such a huge opportunity, even though it wasn't, um, I wasn't really thinking about battling or, or like, I don't know, open format, I guess. Um, right. It was just such a big opportunity and I knew that I had a good chance of doing well. So I, I just went ahead and did it and then, you know rest is history right the rest is serious history that's uh that's amazing and like how did you feel going up for that final battle with all those judges and everybody there where was the finals that year it was in la at uh lore i think oh yeah okay i feel like i had to have been there (laughs) but i was at so many of them i like lost track um i know or, but but it's weird. I don't remember being there. So maybe I was gone or I was busy or something that night. But I remember the whole thing, but I don't remember actually being in the room. 
um, that's uh oh man so how did that feel like just going up there and and executing your set yeah i mean by that point it was the third battle in uh just a couple months so by that time i was i was getting more comfortable with it like the the first chicago battle was actually the worst for me i was super super nervous um i was so nervous like my mouth was dry and i was trying to lick my fingers to get some grip on the records and there was just nothing there. And like, oh my I, God. I accidentally, yeah, I accidentally turned the power of one of the turntables off during a juggle. Like it was a, I like, you know, I pulled it together, but right. um, that one was bad. And then the next one was a little bit better. I was a little better prepared. I drank a lot of water. And, <laughs> nice. um, and then by, yeah, by the third, I was starting to get a little more comfortable. But yeah, I mean, I just ran those sets to the point where, like, I just couldn't mess them up. Like, right. it was so, like, the, the set would be finalized at least two weeks ahead, and then I was just running it, like, I don't know, many times. Right, day. you're like a trained boxer that's just, like, in the zone, like, you yeah. know, doing it. That's, uh, that's pretty dope. And, um... Yeah, I mean, I, it's like, what is that? There's something about, like, the human body and also just things breaking down, like, at the worst possible moment. Like, things that would never happen sure. to you, like, turning off the turntable in the middle of a juggle. Like, you probably couldn't even try to do that. And then, uh, no. of course, it's going to happen at the worst possible time. <laughs> yeah. And just yeah, the getting crazy. nervous and, like, mouth being dry. And I've had so many things like that where you're like, why are you doing this to me? It's already bad enough. <laughs> like, hold me together, body. Like, <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. They're, yeah, those battles are so stressful. Like I honestly, sure. like people always say, it looks like looks like I'm having fun up there, but that's just like all acting. I mean, <laughs> you know, I would I would practice like the choreography and everything too, and like mouthing the words and all that. Like that's all rehearsed. That's but like crazy. in reality, like I don't want to be up there. Like that's the last thing I want to be doing. It's just it's like way too much pressure. You're like waiting for it to be over. Yeah, yeah. It, we 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 torture ourselves. Why do we do this? <laughs> we practice something we love it. We want to show it to everyone. We get the opportunity, and then we freak out about it. <laughs> it's like a weird yeah. cycle. Um, yeah. Well, that that's amazing. And then, so once you won that, um, what kind of things happened after that? Uh, so I, uh, it was definitely like a real busy few years right after that. Um, that was what really got me traveling outside of Chicago, outside of yeah. the Midwest. Um, I was, I was basically, you know, playing out of town nearly every week. Um, and yeah. And then the international stuff started happening. Like uh, that took a little longer to catch on, but that was like starting like late 2014, okay. 16. I was like traveling, uh, mostly in Asia. I've right. Like I see six, you've, you've done so many places in Asia, right? Yeah, I've done like six Asia trips at this point. Wow. Um and like yeah, a lot of a lot of different places, a lot of cities. Um like there's a lot of places in Asia, but I've been to like half the countries or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. What and like are there any favorite places that you've played or just been to, period? Yeah, um I think for like clubs, um, Insanity Bangkok was was amazing. It's just like big room, like full on EDM sort of thing with yeah. all the lights and cryo and all that stuff. And actually, at that gig, uh, Cashmere happened to be there, and he ended up playing 
like he ended up just hopping on right before me. Oh wow. It's like super weird. It's like, <laughs> you know, my music is like fifty percent cashmere samples, so it was like <laughs> sick to play with him. <laughs> right. You're like, thank you for that uh sample pack. This build up is yours right here. Right. Yeah. That's dope. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's so cool. So Bangkok insanity insanity in Bangkok uh sounds like an amazing place. Um and um so, so, you know, prior to that, uh, you're Chicago born and raised, right? Uh, you came up, uh, DJing in Chicago and your musical roots are from there, right? Yeah. Uh, technically I was born in Denver. But, okay. Um, we moved when I was super young. So basically yeah, I gr- grew up in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. Right. Um, yeah, started playing drums at age 10 and then got my turntables and, and started getting into like drum machines and samplers um, all right around when I was 14. Nice. And then, um, you know, like moved up, moved up to the MPC 2000 when I was like 16 or almost 17. Um, and then I actually went to college for music for jazz studies on drums. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, so it's Capitol in Columbus, Ohio. Nice. And then after college, I came back to Chicago, and that was um, actually the first year after college. I was actually in a band, with more or less full time. Um, it was like I was a drummer in this like acoustic rock act um, called the Aaron Williams Band. Okay. And then um, after that was when I really started uh, DJing heavily. So I was like, I didn't really start DJing full time till like late '09, I would say. Okay, got it. And, and that was because you were in the band, or you were doing other things too. Um, yeah, I was in the band. I, I I was you know always doing production, right? Um, and yeah, I was like DJing here and there, but it it wasn't yeah, it wasn't a full time thing till a bit later. Yeah, and I mean there so seems to like, be such a connection between drummers and DJs. A lot of the time, I feel like there's parallel musical elements for some reason. Yeah. I mean, I think any sort of musical training is going to help you DJing. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I say that all the time and I don't know if people realize like the full extent of that, of, of the way that influenced my DJing. Like I've always approached it as a musician. I wasn't like a club guy. I wasn't like an MC host guy. Like I was always a musician. Right. And the, you know, even when I started DJing, I, I I had no intention of playing clubs or parties. Like that wasn't, I wasn't thinking about that at all. Yeah. I just wanted to scratch. Yeah. I was just scratching, juggling and, and for a long time, I didn't start playing parties till I had been, till I had owned turntables for like nine years, basically. Right. Which is, I you know, uh, the opposite of what seems to be happening a lot now. <laughs> yeah. No, same. I wanted to learn every little scratch. Same with when I got mine. And I think it plays into the same thing of practicing drums, something you can just do all day, every day and get down these patterns and rhythms and things with your fingers yeah. and stuff. And, uh, yeah, same you thing. Learn, like, yeah, you learn how to practice, you learn how to, uh, how to improve at things and you just apply the same tactics to DJing, you know? Right. It's like, I mean, I feel like being a musician, uh, part of being a musician at least is like playing multiple instruments. Every good musician I know plays at least two things pretty well. Yeah. So like once you've learned one instrument, it's like adding more becomes easier and easier, I think, because you, you just you just understand music and you understand how to learn. So Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so... 
you know, you came up in Chicago and then, you know, you started playing in 09 more regularly or kind of a full-time thing then. And, um, you were there, you know, I would hang out with you in Chicago a lot when I would come out there. Like I see you, you know, when we would, when I would come out there and like, you know, you're a staple in the scene doing everything from nightclubs to festivals to I'm sure events and all kinds of stuff out there. Um, and then you made the move to the West Coast and headed out to L.A. and then eventually Vegas. Um, yeah. What prompted that? Um, the the immediate prompt was taking like a three-week trip to L.A. in like February, March. Yeah. When it was zero degrees in Chicago and it was 75 <laughs> in L.A. Um, right. It was like... Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what we're what we're doing there in Chicago, but um, <laughs> I don't know either. So <laughs> yeah, there was that, but also my my main focus at that time or for a long time before and after that was was uh making dance music and becoming, you know, a dance music artist. Right. Um and I felt like I needed to be in LA to be closer to that industry and um, cause that, that's kind of where it was all happening at the time. I feel like now maybe it's spread out a little bit. Everything's become a little more remote, but man, at that time, like all the labels, all the managers, all the parties that you wanted to play, like it was all in LA. Yeah. You had to be there. So yeah, I mean, that's, that, that was the main, that was the main focus. And that was the main reason I, I went there. And then, you know, I was, I was able to make a few things happen. I, I put out some collabs. I signed some tracks to some labels. I got some um, I got a bunch of support from some big DJs and, and all this stuff. I got all these things sort of happening, but it never really quite took me over the hump where I was able to like just book uh, EDM gigs. I was still having to do um, the top 40 stuff right? Uh, to make a living. And then, um, yeah. And also like in 2015 when I moved, I wasn't really playing in Chicago. So that also made it like, a lot easier to leave. Yeah. I was basically, I, you know, I, I had basically all my, my last residency had ended. Like my last proper residency had ended like six months before three style or actually less, maybe just a few months before three style. Right. Um, I was doing radio, um, first kiss FM and then B 96. And then that, um, I ended up leaving also in like 2014, um, a little bit before I moved to LA. Mm-hmm. And then um, like post three style, there was only one club that I was really playing at. And it was, uh, that was only, a, I don't know, every few months. And then that place also ended up closing end of 2014. So I just didn't have that much going on in Chicago. Yeah. And, you know, it was like, well, this is the time. And I was making my, most of my living traveling anyway. So it just gave me the opportunity to move and then the other thing that 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 happened um in la was i got really into the outdoors um right starting with hiking and backpacking and then into climbing and snowboarding and then that was definitely a factor in moving to vegas where um all that stuff is is so interesting and i swear i might be making this up but i feel like i talked to you like the first day after you had your first hike of your life or something like i mean maybe i feel like i remember you telling me like i went on a hike out there and it was amazing i liked it and then as i saw you more or talked to you or saw you online like you were you became like so into it you know and you became like really like one of your hobbies to the point where it was a massive part of your life. Right. You were like, like you just said, I mean, 
now I've seen you like conquering insane mountains and like posting things online where I'm like, holy shit, this guy's going all over the place. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, now the focus is all sport climbing and uh, snowboarding is kind of a secondary thing, but amazing. Um, so wait, where did that yeah. start? And how did that start? Uh, like the climbing? Yeah, I guess the we're like that first hike that like you came to LA uh, yeah. and just went on a hike. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it was a bunch of my like DJ homies in LA that were also sort of getting into it at the same time. Yeah. Um, it was like maple syrup, kid cut up, right. um, Dosa, uh, Jason, like, all these guys were, and we would go out. Oh, dynamics sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. We would all, yeah. So we would all kind of link up and, and, and head out to, you know, to, to some different spots. And then I just ended up like taking it. You together. just really fell and, in love with it. Yeah. And then like, I, I did a backpacking trip in Yosemite and like saw the climbers there. And then, uh, once I got back from that trip, I just went to a climbing gym in LA, like by myself and took like the intro courses and just just started from there damn so what so what do you do now with that like you literally go climb a mountain like with a rope tied onto you or something um yeah so uh, my yeah my primary thing is called sport climbing so it's a uh, bolted roots like previously established roots um climbing with a rope and clipping into um bolts that have been placed there already um and it's basically a game of like getting to the top of the route without falling or or taking, which would be like resting on the rope. So you, yeah, we kind of like prod, we, we we like find routes that are really hard that we it's called projecting. So we might work on one route for weeks or months or some people even longer um, to just just to like get it done. You know, so you mean you work on it for weeks or months in terms of like to do it without resting on the rope or falling. Like every time you yeah. do that, you reset. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, the so goal is to that's how you learn it and you ground. do it. It's not like common that you just pop up there and you can just do it like first time. Uh, I mean, some stuff like right. if it's easy enough, yeah, you, you'll just run up it. But yeah, most people get to a place where they, they want to push their limit and that's that's how you're able to push the difficulty. Oh my god! What? You know, there's like grading. There's a whole grading system, so everyone's always trying to like push their their maximum grade. Yeah. Wow. Have you ever like fallen or had a really scary uh, experience? Um, there's been a couple like sketchy falls, but like in general, sport climbing is like as safe as it gets because like, it's all like you said, the established routes and the. Yeah. You just learn how to do everything properly and then Yeah. You're good. Yeah, the the protection is all there. Like bolts, you know, are generally good. They don't just come out of the wall. Right. Um so yeah, and you're you're falling all the time when you're trying hard stuff. It's and when like, you fall it's just like the knot or the rope like just holds you. <laughs> yeah, I mean you have a you have a belayer that's that's paying out slack and ideally is paying attention and they, they you know, make sure that you uh that they catch you, but they also don't catch you too hard. So you don't swing into the wall. It's, it's a whole thing, but Damn. yeah. But okay. Yeah. I have a whole other Instagram for all that stuff. Oh, you do I was posting way. Yeah. I was posting way too much of that on my main Instagram and I, I just, I had to separate it. And now it's like, they're, they both have their own. Oh, I need to check so that. The, what is it? What's the Instagram? Yeah. So it's, it's five foot beta, like the number five, and then F O O T B E T A. Okay. 
Amazing. I got to check that. Yeah, I did notice you stopped posting it on your your Trentino DJ page. Yeah, it's just I the way the way social media is now, it's like you got to be so focused. Right, anything otherwise it stops deviates, showing it to people. Yeah, anything that deviates from your like from your main uh, you know, audience or whatever, it's like just gets no reaction. Like you can't it's not even about like representing yourself as a person anymore. It's like strictly business. It has to be so focused now. Right. I even noticed with the TikTok stuff, everyone's like, oh, I don't get it. Or how do you do it? You got to post a routine. You got to post dancing. I'm like, I think you just have to post one thing over and over and over and over and over and over until it knows <laughs> that that's you're the person of that thing, you know, like, be yeah, because once you start posting other shit, it like gets confused and doesn't show it to anybody or something. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's all marketing. Plus, like, right. I, I I don't think it's, like, I don't find it super healthy to post personal stuff and be talking about, you know, personal stuff in public all the time. I used yeah. to post opinions and things, and I, I just don't do that anymore. I <laughs> feel you on that. A lot of times you you spend time, yeah, going debating with people where you're like, what is the purpose of any of this? And who are these people? And why am I even doing yeah. this? And I know who I am and what I want to do. Why do I even care about talking mm -hmm. to these random people online? Um, so I feel you on that. Don't need to, don't need to do it. So as far as the LA move, you know, before you ended up in Vegas, um, what were some of the positive and also some of the negative things that you encountered being there? Um, yeah, the positives, I mean, we're definitely going to all the parties. So like Space Yacht was a big one. Yeah. I started going there every week when it was still very small and saw it like blow up into this huge thing. Um, right. I also did a uh i did a night there with like the brooklyn fire crew with tommy sunshine and and all that i've like put that whole thing together oh nice um and and then also like low end theory i was going to a lot it was just an amazing party back then for like yeah the you know it was, it was like gas lamp killer d styles and all the um just playing like the the weirdest stuff that you were not going to hear anywhere else and it was like a sweaty box with this enormous sound system and like yeah that place was yeah so it, yeah i mean it was all that and then the, and you know um just being in that place to to be able to like do collabs and and all that was great um but you know otherwise i mean la is like not the easiest city to live in it's super expensive the traffic is insane um it's, it's really hard just to like get anywhere in the city or to leave the city um yeah it's like just you know going to lax is like an all-day endeavor um, totally so all that <laughs> all that i just sort of yeah i just sort of got over that after a little while right that makes sense and then once you kind of discovered that uh probably some of your hobbies and the hiking and the different things you could do in vegas as well as there's dj gigs yeah. like 24 hours a day in vegas i feel like um, yeah, there's way more work out here. LA is not really a nightlife city. I feel like people that haven't spent a lot of time there like don't really. There's hardly that any clubs. Weird, the clubs are open yeah. for like two hours. <laughs> it's like know. there's like one DJ that DJs every club. It's very it's very yeah. weird. I know. Yeah, everything closes at two. Like you can't hop around places because everywhere no. is like thirty miles apart. It's like right. it's like a mission to go to one spot a night and. um yeah, it's just, it's, it's not the place for that. And like the rates from what I know are not very good. So yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't DJing there hardly at all. Right. And then obviously Vegas, it's like 
half the cost of living and the and the gigs pay twice as much and it's like and there's way more of them they're like can you dj at three in the morning or 10 a.m or 11 p.m or like i feel like they have so many more shifts and places that need djs at all times 20 yeah yeah it's 24 7 like the the pools are some of these pools that i that i play at i mean they're open every day that's crazy that's on top of all the nighttime stuff and right it's, it's nuts that's great. So, I mean, that was kind of what I was going to ask you. Like, how do you like living in and DJing in Vegas? But you, some, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it, it's been it's been great for the most part. I mean, the the lifestyle is definitely great for me. I'm I, I'm pretty much climbing outside two or three days a week, plus snowboarding in the season, like once or twice a week. Um, and and where are you climbing in that heat like is it are you able to do it in such crazy heat yeah in the in the summer we go up to mount charleston which is about 45 minutes away and it's is it cooler okay yeah so we drive up to about eight thousand feet so it's usually about 30 degrees cooler than the city oh Oh, crazy Um, so it's almost cold yeah like right now right now it's a little bit warm for climbing but um you you can climb all summer for sure Oh, that's so cool. And as far as snowboarding, how, where do you go for that? Yeah, that's sort of, uh, sort of in the same area. It's also about 45 minutes away. It's a little, um, it's like the next Canyon over. Um, but yeah, it's a, you know, it's a small resort, but it's, it's good. Like the, the snow is pretty dry, which is nice. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, for the accessibility, you can't beat it. And then I also go to Mammoth a lot too, which is about five hours from here. Okay. That's not so bad. Yeah, it's, it's like, like the same as from LA. Right, it's about six hours from here. That's where everybody loves to go. I've actually never been up there, but I'm not a big. Uh, last time I went snowboarding, I broke my rib, and I don't think uh. I've ever got back on. <laughs> damn, <laughs> it was on a DJ trip too. It was a yeah. Red Bull. Red Bull <laughs> broke my damn rib. It was for like not three style, but we were there was like a Red Bull DJ team at the time, and they took us up to Aspen, and wow. Like they had Louis Vito teach me to snowboard and I taught him to DJ and they like filmed the whole okay. thing. I don't really know where the footage of this is probably on YouTube somewhere, but yeah, he taught me to snowboard and we had the, so much fun. It was the best day. And that wasn't the day I broke my rib. It was the next day when all the Red Bull people were like, we're going down the terrain run. We're going to do jumps. I was like, no, 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 I can't even do the back and forth thing. And of course, like something happened where I fell down the wrong way and like <laughs> broke my rib. And everybody was like, you would know if you broke your rib. And I'm with everyone like Stone Rock <laughs> and like so many DJs. And they're like, stop being a bitch. You know, like you would know if you broke your rib. You would know. I'm like, I think I know. It hurts so bad. You know? <laughs> and then finally went to the urgent care and they're like, oh, you broke your rib. I was like, oh, man, I'm not I'm not built for this. <laughs> no, nah, it's yeah. It's definitely, it's a dangerous sport for sure. It's way more dangerous than climbing. That's for sure. Yeah, right. A lot. So many people are here hurting themselves to snowboarding and skiing. And I remember Mick at the time was Mick Boogie, but now he's Mick. And he was like, I'm not going. And I'm like, come on, man, you got to go. And then I come back with the broken rib and he's just like in a warm (laughs) house reading a book or something. I'm like, you're the smart one. (laughs) For sure. I mean, you just got to take it slow. It's, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a steep learning curve. I feel like the first like the whole first season snowboarding is like kind of brutal and you're definitely like you're getting beat up a lot of injury. But um, then you kind of get to a point where you stop like catching your edge at least and then it, it becomes a lot safer. And I mean, I'm obviously I'm I'm 
pretty conservative with what I do. I'm not really into the park stuff. Like that's yeah, that's like uh, I'm yeah too old for that or whatever. But right, I just I just like carving and riding the big mountains, riding like steep terrain and stuff. But yeah, that's dope. That's dope. Um, and so as far as DJing, you know, we've had a lot of talk recently uh, about record box usb sticks serato you know everything we got you know going and um vegas is sometimes the prime place to talk about that because like i'm going to dj tomorrow a pool it's supposed to be 102 degrees i'm already tripping about my laptop overheating i did it two weeks ago and it made it through but i was on an ice bucket and i like had got some app to turn off my like turbo boost of my intel processor and like whatever little hack i could do and i know that um you're someone that's been a proponent of uh or or someone that personally switched from serato to record box and are using the usb sticks and you were i think one of the first people that was fully comfortable on that doing open format sets or doing any kind of set on a usb stick um why did you make that change initially? Yeah, so I was. Um, it was a little bit after I moved to LA. Um, part of the impetus was definitely wanting to play EDM parties, and right. I realized like I could not be showing up with a laptop to those. Kind yeah, of like things. you go like, to Space Yacht with the laptop, and they're like, "Sorry, bro, no B two B for you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just not how it works in that world. Um, and uh, right, it was also around the time where. Uh, the where the switch from scratch live to serato dj was happening yeah and so for a while i thought all right maybe i can do like um maybe i can use club kit and that'll make setup a little bit easier because the switchovers were an enormous factor for me because i was always switching over from people like on cdjs and then having to move the cdjs out of the way set up the turntables right like first First, plug in my Serato box to the mixer. So I'm digging in the mixer during the other DJ's set and then having to like play like an eight minute song and hope that I could get the turntables running and troubleshot and all that before, you know, the song ran out. Like it was like at least a 20 minute process every time just to switch over. Um, and I was, I was doing that all the time. And then even if the other DJs are on turntables, it's still a process, especially back then. Like it wasn't like everyone had dual USB interfaces and all that. Like it wasn't there yet. Right. Um, and then I did one gig on Serato DJ and, um, I lost control signal all of a sudden in the middle of my set. It was, like, it was like this, like loud, it just turned into like white noise through the speakers Oh no! and I had to. I had to restart and everything. And that was the last time (laughs) I, I mean, that's in, okay. In my opinion, there's nothing more important than reliability because if something, if something crashes or it won't connect and, and you can't play your set or there's silence, like silence or, or white noise or something, that's the only time that everyone knows something is messed up. Yes. So, I'm willing to do anything to avoid that. I mean, it's got to work damn near 100% of the time. And if it doesn't, I I can't use it. And that's why I got off of Serato because it wasn't 100% of the time. And, I mean, we saw it. We all saw, like, these big crashes in, in very high-stakes situations and, like, it's not worth it. It's not. It's just <laughs> not suitable. I mean, 
for some people, maybe for some people, I know that they say they've never had problems and it's been great and whatever. That's, that's cool. But it, it never worked for me. Right. Never reliable. And also, I mean, just in defense of, I don't know about Serato, but everything is that like problems can happen in any situation you know like i actually dj'd two weeks ago and i was freaking out about oh i don't want my computer to get messed up and all this stuff and then i made sure i had the right equipment and i got cdj 3000s and i had an s11 mixer and i was like let's go i got everything i want and somehow the main mixing board of the club turned off in the middle of my set (laughs) and i'm like yo is this my fault they're looking at me and i'm like i can hear it in my headphones i could see it on the meters it's 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 all good it's coming out of you know the monitors like everything it's just your thing and they're like oh no so they had to figure it out so i still had five minutes of silence uh even though i covered all the bases and i could have been on usb sticks in that environment you know so you never know but but i i totally hear what you're saying yeah yeah absolutely um yeah and then there's also the fact of you know i i don't even have to bring a bag anymore (laughs) i I used to show up yeah i mean i used to have two laptops with me all the time because you you always need a backup right um and then that on top of my serato box and like four records four slip mats four needles like (laughs) right and i i would come in with a i would come in with a rollerboard suitcase so like even when I was traveling, I would like rearrange all my stuff and just show up with the suitcase because I had yeah. so much stuff with me. Right. And now, I mean, I show up with a, a tiny little like man purse bag, whatever, <laughs> um, which is mostly just my 360 camera and the stand. Like it's not even DJ stuff. Right. And literally, I, 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 you know, I use in-ears. So these go on so I don't lose them ever. Yeah. I just keep them on all night. Um, and then... I have a USB in my pocket and then the bag has like backup USBs and a couple cables. I usually just have like a, an an extra RCA and an extra ethernet cable just in case. And that's like, that's it. And I have three backups, you know, yeah, with, with bringing no stuff. And then, you know, I think we also need to think about safety a little bit these days. Um, if something goes down in the club, I mean, I can run out. I'm not leaving anything there. I can leave at any time. I can be out and not have left, you know, my, my laptop behind or anything like that. That's true. So, Just straight uh, up USB. That That's amazing. And how do you keep the USBs mirrored? Or do you, you know, like, um, like, like when you said you have a backup, uh, like you have a, let's say you updated your drive for this gig you have tonight or something or tomorrow. How do you make sure the other one or two that you have are mirrored to it? Do you just take record box and export them the same or? Yeah. Yeah. You just, you just, multiple exports so you do the same thing like you plug it in boom export out whatever crates or things like that yeah um and also i'm somewhat new to the uh you know record box game and making sure my usb is updated like let's say i updated 10 crates um either ones for the thing or my history or whatever and i just then i added like some new songs do i just re-export that crate and then it overrides everything or will it just put in the new songs how does that work um i usually just do everything all the time so i'm not like dealing with like missing out crates or anything um but yeah you you just you just open it and you hit the big arrow to export everything and it just and it updates and it'll delete the stuff that you've deleted okay. and, and all that and do you organize in record box like is that your yeah. main um 
platform to like yeah. import music, make crates, do all the stuff. Yeah, I do everything in Rekordbox. When I switched over, I I made the, you know, maybe somewhat bold decision of just starting over. Oh wow. Um, but I think it was I think it was good because I I just needed to like you, I feel like you need to do that once a while. Like I hadn't yeah. started over since I started DJing, like since I got Serato in like 08. I, me too. I had, since like 06 probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was like 7 years of of gunk. Um, right. So I, yeah, when I, when I started and I, I, I downsized my library a lot. So I think when I first switched, I only had like 1400 songs and that was okay for a little bit. Now I'm back up to like 4,500 or so. Um, but it still, still fits on one USB. I mean, my main USB is like, is like the size of a tooth <laughs> and it's a, a 128 gigs and it's got everything. That's crazy. And so what are some of the other things that you like about DJing? off just usb or or just like that you know no laptop yeah i mean it's just taking so much of the stress away yeah i mean i can have more fun i don't have to worry about like my equipment getting damaged um, right and it's and it works it i'll say this um up till the 2000 nexus twos it always worked every time there's been some weird issues with the three thousands. Nothing where I couldn't like play a set, but honestly, the three thousands I do not think are up to par just durability wise. I've had a lot of interesting weird issues. A lot of the same is- recurring it, it, issues. How recent though? Because I have heard that I know they addressed a lot of those. Um, and maybe yeah, it's I mean, better I now, but I just you know you use them all the time. So how recent or what type of things? Um, yeah, I mean, I've had as, as recent as a few weeks ago, I've had these kind of issues. There's like the sticky platter where you, you scratch and then when you let go, the playback has stopped and then it'll like start again a few seconds later, maybe. Oh, wow. Um, so I've had that at, at least three or four venues now. Um, a lot of broken hot cues just don't work. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Um, but it, it it didn't happen nearly as often on, on any of the older models. And then I've had weird situations where the DJ before me is using HID mode. Yeah. And I, I plug in my USBs and start playing. And one of the players would start getting really slow, like scrolling through tracks. It would They were like taking a while to load and then it would just freeze up entirely. And I, would re, I restarted the player several times. Um, and then eventually I just unplugged the HID USB out of the back and it worked perfectly. So oh, it's like, weird. now it's like if someone's on HID, I just unplug all the USBs cause in case it does that thing again. That's so interesting. Um, and then I, also like the link occasionally is going out sometimes, um, wow. which isn't, yeah, which isn't, I mean, the other side of this is like all these things are, um, they're. Like, it's not great, but they are pretty good about um, having the backup. So, like, when your link goes out, um, the I think on the new ones, the whole song is stored. Yeah. So, it'll keep playing the old song. But even on the old ones, it would go into an emergency loop. So, yeah. it would loop, like, a bar or two. So, there's all, there are these, like, sort of fail-safes built in, which are absolutely amazing and, and necessary. Um so it's it's not like I've had like total crashes, total silence with with any of them. It's just been like annoying little things. Right. But if you're going to a spot, like what's on your rider? What are you requesting? 
Uh, it it's basically I have like choices, so it, I have the three thousand as my first choice. Honestly, it's like if the venue has any of that stuff, like they're not they're not renting it for me. So it's like I'm playing on whatever's there generally, but I I do say that I need at least uh, two thousand nexuses. Right, because before that, um, the regular two thousands, uh, you have to every time you load a track, you have to load your hot cues separately, and if you don't, and you press your hot cue, it it it's still the hot cues from the song you had previously loaded. Right, I never understood. I don't that. know why they would ever design any. I don't think anyone in the history of DJing has like wanted to load a new track and then go back to the thing they were just playing. <laughs> That doesn't make any it's very sense. Confusing, to me. Very confusing. I don't confusing. know. Yeah, I don't know how they. Yeah, I don't know how they worked that out. But um, so those. I mean, I can get through a set on that, and it, yeah, of course. Like it might be fine, but it's just reducing my margin for error, and it's like everything just takes longer, and and you don't have as much time to think about where you want to go, and like re- look at the crowd and read, try to figure out what's going on. Like every little thing just adds up, and all, and it just makes it makes the whole experience worse but basically i'm cool with anything 2000 nexus or newer is like totally fine for me right yeah i've gotten pretty damn comfortable on the 2000 nexus and the 3000s there's a bit difference on the scratching where like i feel like i can scratch better on the 3000s but i need to think about it like how hard i'm pushing down versus the 2000s or something like okay. sometimes I'll, the three thousands get away from me easier. I guess I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think the the three thousands. I think the jog wheels are too heavy, so they have like too much momentum. I put you, it like, on the three thousands. I have to put it all the way to the heaviest setting. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. I end up putting and on the two thousands. I'm like like either halfway or even before. Like I have to make them lighter. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, on the three thousands, I've I think I've been adjusting to them a little bit, so not I'm not Same. going all the way heavy anymore. It's maybe somewhere in the middle now. Um, but the old ones, I would be like the Nexuses, I would be all the way light, and that was good. Yeah, and it, the jog wheel itself was lighter, which feels better to me. Feels a little bit closer to like a record. Um, right, it's interesting. And then the Nexus twos were sort of in between that. So like, yeah, it it all depends. And then of course, like, um the whatever the age and state of repair and all well, that yeah. affects it also so you kind of have to yeah just feel it of out. course no i played at a place somewhat recently and like it was it was as if someone had poured like soda inside of the <laughs> cdj it was like so stuck you couldn't like adjust it for the tempo or anything i was like oh i'm just gonna have to figure out what to do here <laughs> like, yeah that's uh yeah, that's, crazy. that's part and of the other thing. annoying thing yeah um when when I'm like when I'm sending riders and whatever out like yeah. they made three different players that all are called CDJ two thousand right and that is ma- that makes it so difficult because people do not understand the difference. There's Matt like the difference between the two thousand and the two thousand Nexus is like night and day. But like your average club person or whoever you're dealing with doesn't understand. They don't right. understand that's like those are completely different things. They're just like, oh yeah, we got the CDJ two thousands. I'm like, which ones though? Because there's three different CDJ two thousands. <laughs> I know that are all totally different. Like that's why I'm like, let's go three thousands. You know what I mean? So at least we know we want the newest. Yeah, three thousands. Everyone knows now. Like they, they, 
why is the 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 model number it's like it's like 10 digits long and it's got <laughs> nexus and nexus 2 like yeah, yeah i it, don't know what annoying. the uh, right i feel you on that but it's same with like techniques you're like i want 1200 so 1200 mk2 1200 this 1200 1210 you know and you're like yeah the person would just show up like i don't know bro i got turntables <laughs> and you're like all right <laughs> yeah I'll try to make it work um that's uh and so you mentioned before the 360 camera um which oh, yeah. one are you using the gopro 360 I have the Insta 360 okay. One X2. Yeah, they're yeah, very gotta, similar, I, right? Yeah, I think so. I yeah, have I the GoPro. Give, uh, the, I have the GoPro 360, uh, okay, which is yeah. what I use. And for people wondering what the hell we're talking about, um, both you and I have been posting. I feel like since some of the beginning, DJs posting these type of videos of these 360 videos that we film. So we have a camera that has two lenses. Um, one on each side that will film 180 degrees and then combine it to 360 degrees. And then you can use an app or some sort of video editing app and you can do keyframes to show where the camera should aim at. So you're like, okay, this is yeah. the part where I do my scratch, aim it at me, then boom, aim it out at the crowd, you know, and, and you can, and people are always asking me like, how do you do that? You know? So, I mean, how many times a day are you hit up for someone asking you how you did that? Yeah. All the time. Every yeah, day. I, mean, I hit, I had to hit you up about it. Cause right. I, I saw, I mean, I got to give the credit to you for sure. You were the first DJ that I saw. Thank you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were, you were the one and, and I saw it and I didn't know what was going on. It's like, there's what, what is this? Like, I don't even understand how this is. <laughs> happening like, i know no idea you told me and then I, I i just dove in and and got the thing and started doing it yeah um, and i mean you've got yeah, some I mean, amazing videos the the beauty of it is being able to film every little thing and then show people yeah. later because as a dj we see everything you know we're trying to read the room we're trying to see anything from managers to people fighting to girls dancing to someone asking us to us djing and dancing and all that so we see all types of crazy shit around the club and then we just have to tell someone a story and then that's it. But with the 360 camera, it'll film everything. So like you have a video yeah. called, uh, when she, when she realizes, you know how to scratch or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's you DJing and then it sort of zooms in on the girl behind you as she slowly realizes you're making this crazy sound. And it, I feel like it went viral because every DJ was like, this is incredible. And you get to see all the different elements of what's happening in the club. And you have another one where the girl falls down and it's like, yeah. it's amazing to be able to share that stuff with the public because before we weren't able to really, you, you didn't have your phone out to film that crazy stuff. But then later now I go, yeah. Oh my God, I remember the girl was holding her phone on her head for 10 minutes. I got to find that in my video. I'm going to put it online, you know? So I think that's one of the, the nice things of having the 360 cameras. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Those were, those are definitely some of the biggest ones for me. It was like the, the random girls caught either looking at me or filming me or like the, the one where the girl fell over. That was like my biggest one by far. The falling over suit. Yeah. That one went super viral. It was like almost 8 million views on Instagram. What? Oh my God. It's like America's funniest home videos. That's what, I mean, yeah. why are we posting videos of DJing? We just need to post people <laughs> falling down. I know it's like, all right, I got 8 million views, but like, it doesn't really show anything about me. Oh, my I, biggest I one's like 2 million. Like, I, I posted this video multiple times too. So it's probably got 
millions. Just the last time I posted it, it got 2 million views alone just on Instagram. And it's just like four seconds long of me just slowly nudging a girl out of the booth. <laughs> oh, and yeah, like, yeah. that's my biggest video. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? So yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. We're all overthinking it maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, that that's just sort of the, the new economy is like these, <laughs> these super short little moments. Right. That's, um, so, so how do you like utilize yours? Like, um, you have a little tripod for it and then stand it up really tall and then go through the footage later or what's your process? Yeah, I just use the little tripod. I put it right next to me. Um, and I'll, I'll usually turn it on and off a bunch during my set Same. because you can, yeah, you can really only film about 80 minutes, I think. With, on the uh, GoPro, the you can do forever, and, which some like I just I oh, filmed really? a three hour full set and I was like, holy shit. Oh, wow. But I'm like, what do I do with this? It's so hard for me to go through it later. Like, yeah, my technique, it's been because it's actually daunting to go back and go through the footage. I'm like, I don't I don't want to. I just lived this. I don't want to go back through and watch three hours of myself DJing. But um, so a lot of it is just sitting there and I don't know, I keep saying, I got to go through it. I got to go through it. But something that's um, motivated me or helped me a little bit to get through it is I'll record the audio of my set in Serato. I know you don't have Serato now, so sorry, but yeah. I record the audio of my set in Serato and then I record the video on the video and then I'll put the audio and I'll sometimes, if I can, get myself to do it, listen back to the audio and then try to make markers of like, oh, that part was dope. I'm going to go back and find it in the video. Um, now, at least I know, because otherwise I'm sitting there trying in this app to, that's the only thing is that there's no way to import the 360 footage to anything except for the app, right? That comes with right. The, that's kind of yeah, annoying. Every, yeah. Everything has to be edited. I mean, maybe one day you'll be able to upload the raw thing and people can look at it in there. Right. Or I wish I could just go through it on my computer. <laughs> I just, I, I'm still, I'm still learning how to do it better, but, but yeah, I try to oh, just you, get those. You still edit all on your phone? Yeah. I do it all on my phone. Oh, okay. I do it all on my laptop. So, so what? Insta360 Insta has, has a laptop app. Yeah. Yeah, they okay. have their own software, so I ju I just do it all in there. But yeah, it's it's definitely time consuming. Yeah, um, at a but it pays gig, off, kind of, you know. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Yeah, at a typical gig, I'm I'm getting like I'm just taking short clips, like when I know I'm about to do something. I'll, yeah, I'll turn it on, and then sometimes I'll forget, and I end up with like a twenty minute video or something. But I mean, I'm generally turning it on and off, but I'm generating like anywhere from like 40 to 60 gigs of raw footage at every gig. So then that has to go somewhere. Right. Um, I know I've been trying to figure out what to do with that. I got these, I have, I have two, so two 256 gig cards that I've filled up alone. And then I pop those onto a drive and that's like a terabyte. you know, it's like 500 gigabytes and then I do them twice and it's a terabyte already. And then also to go back through that footage, I have to put it back onto the GoPro in order to look at it on the app. Oh. Unless there's a way, maybe GoPro has an app and then I drag it on my desktop and I can drag it in the GoPro uh, desktop app. I should look into that. That might make my life easier. I feel like they do. I don't know. Cause I, I want to drag easy. it all onto a damn drive and just have, you know, but those, those yeah. drives have been getting filled up so quick too. I need to not, I've been filming the whole gigs. So like I'll film a two, three yeah, hour gig so and much. I just have yeah. massive amounts. It's like way too much. 
Yeah, no, that that's a lot. Um, yeah, I just I put all my stuff in Dropbox, and then I can unsync it from my computer, so it right. leaves leaves me. Some that's space, a good idea. That's that's also gonna run out eventually. I mean, that's this I podcast. <laughs> I already have like one point five terabytes of like you know interviews like this so it's like i keep yeah. buying drop boxes and google drives and filling them up and it's too much video you know you don't know what to do with it but um For oh sure. that's cool and so um and have you seen some good response from those videos um online with followers or just anything like that yeah definitely yeah i mean all the every time i have a big video i definitely get a lot of followers and um pretty good engagement and sharing and all that I, I will say it has slowed down recently. Uh, I noticed that as had, well. It kind of, yeah, it kind of ramped up for a bit. And yeah. then it had some some enormous spikes from, like, some of those, like, girl videos. Um, and then, like, honestly, like, since that 8 million video, um, it kind of really tapered off. And my last several, like, the last month or so has been really I slow. Know. Even slower than when I started posting them. So I don't know. Instagram's always just messing with yeah. the algorithm and it's like all over the place. So Same I, with TikTok. Even, like TikTok yeah. hates those videos. Like I'll put it one on Instagram. It'll do so good. I put it on TikTok and be like one person will like see it. It's like almost oh, like they okay. don't like. And then I even did a test where I posted a video from that, from an event I did. One I filmed with my phone. One I filmed with my camera. The phone one got so many views and likes and comments wow. and they wouldn't stop showing it to people. The other one, which was almost the same thing, but was very clear and cool, and I directed it all nice, nothing. You know, maybe 100 people or something. But so it, there's something about, like, I don't know. Like, if they want you to be posting things that were filmed on a phone or natively, I have no idea if they're able to tell. But that's something I noticed, too. I'm like, what is going on? Even from, like, a gig I did in Vegas two weeks ago, I had this really dope video, and I posted it, and then I posted probably five minutes later, another one that I just filmed with my phone real quick. Like, look at this. And that one went insane. And the other one, wow. hardly anybody saw it. So I don't know if they're throttling the I think, ones or yeah, I, too I overproduced. Think a, right. I think there is a, sort of a preference for like that raw content. Right. Um, it's interesting. It's, I don't know. I still think like the the stuff I'm doing with the 360 camera or anything that I've edited is so much better. I know. I never I mean, understand. Sometimes like, I'm like, oh, here we go. This is going to be dope. And then I'm like, oh, nobody saw it. <laughs> like, what's going yeah. on? Um, yeah, not know. nobody, it's, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's definitely less. There was a time where they would like go crazy and everyone would be like, how are you doing this? And it was showing it to everybody. So it's yeah. interesting, but I still love it. It's a great way especially as someone that's not necessarily got a whole team behind you and we're traveling with camera people and we can buy multiple hotel rooms and tickets. Like we're on the road by ourselves yeah. a lot of the time. I'm headed to Vegas by myself tonight, you know, for a gig tomorrow. You're headed to Chicago by yourself. It's your own personal cameraman in a way or camera person. Exactly. You know, that I'm always by myself. Like, right. Pretty much me too. Think like, I mean, I've done 20 countries. I've never taken anyone with me. Right. It's like that's not in the that's not in in the my budget the way I do this. Right. Trips, so it's nice know? to have this cuz you can really film everything. You can put together crazy videos and then now it'll just capture your entire set and all that time you put into practicing, you can actually have a way to film it cuz there'd be so many times at the end of the night I was like, "Damn, I wish I, somebody would have filmed that yeah. or I would have filmed it or I filmed totally. it with one hand and mess up the mix." 
you know, yeah. so actually I, I used to use this little HTC camera before I had the 360, okay. which was pretty good, but it's, yeah. it was just a stationary, like wide angle thing. Right. Um, and I, and I, and those, some of those videos did okay, but like nothing like the 360, the yeah. 360 for filming yourself is, is the best for sure. Yeah. Filming yourself and then any weird things that may happen to happen around you, you know, like I, I've just did yeah. some club and there's some insane fight and like, I haven't gone back to look at the footage, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm sure I filmed this fight. You know, I'm sure I could go back and find some really crazy shit that happened during that yeah. time. Kind of horrible, but at the same time, <laughs> cool to see. Um, I know. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I recommend it and everyone's always asking me. So here's the answer, guys. He's got the Insta 360. I've got the GoPro 360. Everybody's also always asking, what's the difference? What do you think? I literally think they're identical. Like, I don't know. I can't. Yeah. I, I looked when online. I, was, I don't think there's any difference, you know, besides the shape of it. Yeah. The shape is a little different. I think like the Insta 360, like just will fit into a small bag or your pocket a little more easily right mine's a bit um, heavier and like a like square thin. yeah yeah and then i i found some review that said they liked the software for the insta 360 better so that's why yeah gopro's always had weird like, software and disconnect this software is so much better than all the past gopro stuff okay. um it definitely is like a thousand times better but i've always had a problem with the gopro connection and software and it just kind of bulky it's not good for me to get the stuff fast which is what i want to do yeah um and so we talked earlier about music production and uh you know i know you've done all types of stuff i've played your remixes you you've made original music um and also you do music for film and television which was something you were talking about being in la and doing um what are some things you've learned from being on the music production side of things yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, it started with, like, when I was 14, 15, doing mostly, like, sample-based hip-hop kind of stuff. That's right. sort of what I was into at the time. Like, like, like high school me was all about, like, The Roots, Jurassic 5, yeah, Black same. Eyed Peas, like, early Black Eyed Peas stuff. Um, uh, Common, like, Gangstar, all, all that. So, I was yeah, I was, like, making, like, backpacker hip-hop stuff and right. then i got more into like synths and more of the like i don't know i guess commercial sort of things and then in college you know i, I mean i went to college for jazz a sort of um they they really force you to you you have to study and listen to and 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 perform all kinds of music so i mean it was everything from like performing in concert bands and symphony orchestras to like um accompanying choirs to like you know the the jazz groups and the fusion and and all that so yeah I've, I've done like literally everything i've performed in like every kind of situation there is right um so yeah and yeah and then i got kind of more into like r&b and pop stuff in college and then like afterward i really got into the dance music so when i when i first really started making like original stuff to put out under my own name it was like late 2010 um and so yeah, that was that was the focus for a long time. And I think the thing about um electronic music, like if you can make aggressive electronic music and you have a good handle on theory, like you can like you're decent with with harmony and melody and things, like you can make anything. It, yeah. it is the hardest kind of music to produce. I I will die on that cross like 
the best producers in the world are bass music producers, 100%. And you see it over and over and over. Every time a bass music producer goes and makes something else, and you may not even realize yeah. all the other other like work Skrillex that doing. And, like, and people like the that. Best, right? Yeah, they're the best at it. I mean, yeah, we could talk. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, we talk about like my my influences, like the guys that I think are. Yeah, please. Are, like, who are some of the people? Yeah. Name them off. I'd love to. Yeah. Hear. So, well, okay. So, as far as dance music, when I started getting into it, it was like maybe, maybe even before. I remember seeing Craze and Clever, I think 06 or 07. Yeah. Maybe 06 when they first started playing together. And they had just started getting into like Be More. So that was a big thing. Like that was a good like entry point because it's not like that aggressive. It's still like, it's all like sample based and remixes of, of like pop songs and whatever. Um, right. And then it was into like the blog house electro thing that was going on starting like 07, 08, 09. Um, and then I, that's where I got really into like the heavier, more like, uh, more interesting, like sound design stuff. So like Jack beats number one for oh, that era. So for dope. Sure. Yeah. And they were hip hop heads. You could hear it in their music, you know, that transitioned into that. Yeah. They, they were both, uh, they were both DMC champions right. One in the team, like plus one was a world champion in 2001, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. and the Benny G right was um he was part of a he was part of a crew that that won at some point i can't remember all the details but yeah they they came from turntablism and and started totally yeah the craziest house music it was like house but with crazy sound design um yeah i guess that what later came to be called fidget um, right and all that and then all the other stuff around that time was like crookers fake blood uh you know, feed me came out somewhere around that time too. Like it was all, it was all that stuff. Um, totally. And then, you know, 2010, like Skrillex came in and just kicked, like kind of kicked the door down and like, um, and then it was a lot of these guys, even now, like the, a lot of the new dubstep guys come from rock and there's a big, um, there's, there's been a big resurgence of progressive rock, which I've gotten into the last couple of years as well, which a lot of people kind of credit EDM for helping that along. And there's a, there's definitely a connection there. Like a lot of the, the more um, like progressive rock and the aggressive electronic music, it has a lot in common. And there are also like the, the hybrid acts, like, like phase one makes dubstep, but with like hardcore breakdowns. And then you have like bands like bring me the horizon like incorporating all kinds of electronic elements in their music in a really interesting way. Um, right. That's but, cool. Yeah. So we have this whole, so yeah, I mean, Skrillex obviously massive influence and then getting into, I think even through Skrillex, I may have found out about Noisia, which was, they were sort of the predecessors to all the aggressive dubstep stuff. They came from the drum and bass scene. Yeah. I was going to say um, they're more drum and bass from, and then have yeah, evolved from there. Yeah. From, from the Netherlands and then into like, um, super into like uh, Knife Party, Wolfgang yeah. Gartner, um, Koan Sound, all the best guys. You know, like all amazing the, sound designers too. I think. Yeah, I mean that's to me like that's the cutting edge. If you're into production, if you're into like making music on a computer, like those are the best guys. Like even if you don't like their music, you have to respect what they're doing because that stuff is so much more involved and so much more cutting edge. And that's where all the, 
I feel like that's the cutting edge. That's where all the creativity and the and the people that are really pushing things forward, that's where it's happening. Like it might have used to been hip hop at, at some point, but I don't think it is anymore. I think the when it comes to just raw uh, production chops, like right. that's where you find it. Interesting. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. You know, they're they're really experimenting and pushing the envelope uh and just tr- creating sounds that have never been heard before you know and i think yeah. um that's also what a lot of young people like to hear you know when you're young growing up you hear something new and you're just like oh my god like what is that you know i gotta learn more about it yeah and, and i think in retrospect like the kind of hip-hop i was into in high school it, i was always into like the weirder stuff right like the roots we're also doing crazy sound design at the time. Yeah. Cra- doing crazy stuff with their mixing where like, um, you know, like the intro to things fall apart where it's like the, this super like distorted, crazy sounding, like messed up, like kick drum coming out of one side, like weird thing. And then it transitions into the cleanest, tightest thing you've ever heard. Like they were doing crazy, you know, that's sound design. I mean, that's, yeah. that's like, they were doing crazy stuff back then. So I think it makes a lot of sense that I, I was attracted to that. And then that kind of just turned into the electronic music. Right. Even right. Though like cult, you know, I don't know, culturally it's different or whatever, but like, it, it yeah, I was. Yeah. No, but I mean, even <laughs> I remember when, when the roots had a drum and bass break at the end of one song and I was that like, too, Oh my yeah. God, that's crazy. You know, they're actually listening to other stuff. I mean, they're obviously open-minded. I have Questlove and all these amazing people, you know, that music lovers as part of the group. So um, it makes sense. But, yeah, that's so cool. And that's probably something you could even bring to the, um, bring to the table when you do music and TV work, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like, um, so, yeah, so I really only started making, like, proper film slash soundtrack music, like, last year. I basically okay. got connected with this company in LA. Um, nothing's like a hundred percent locked down, but I should have some placements coming up nice. um, for like some Netflix shows and things. Um, That's great. Nothing's a hundred percent, but we'll <laughs> see. Um, but yeah, it, I feel like it was a pretty easy transition for me. Like I definitely dug into YouTube, like YouTube's the source for everything now. And I, YouTube's like how I found out about new artists now. Like I don't even, I, uh, like I feel like on the on the live music like rock and progressive stuff side like I find like playthroughs on YouTube and that's how I found find out about new artists and like the new drummers and and all this stuff and then on the electronic side it's like guys doing walkthroughs um my light just went out um <laughs> it's okay you're more mysterious <laughs> <Okay>. now <laughs> um yeah it's like um all the all the really dope producers have a bunch of walkthroughs where they're you know they're they're showing their sessions, they're showing their sound design and their mixing and and all that, and that's how I found out. That's like how I found out about AU Five, who's like a huge um, influence now. Virtual Riot, um, Barely Alive, like all these yeah. all these new guys. But yeah, so I did kind of did the same thing with film music. Um, there's a company called Spitfire that makes amazing sample libraries. They're like, right they're they're the best and they have so much content on youtube so many tutorials by different composers um talking about how to use their products but also just how to compose and and uh oh that's so cool okay yeah and then getting some of their um 
getting some of their products as well. I, I use their stuff all the time. You mean so, using like their sample packs or th- things like that? Uh, it's more more like sample based instruments. Is, okay, is what they do. Um, so like I have like their Abbey Road one, which is which is an orchestra recorded at, at Abbey Road, um, which is kind of like the the standard classic like film orchestra, right? Uh, like setup room, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's like yeah, their their stuff is their stuff is so good, and they you know they do. They have a lot of stuff for free. They have a product called Labs, which is like their sort of experimental thing, and it's all okay. free sounds. I mean, you can you could get away with just using that. I mean, it's it's crazy. And then you know, I ended up buying a couple things later, so now I feel like I can I can kind of cover everything. And I'm not doing like full on like like orchestral arrangements, but I am using those kind of elements along with electronic stuff and samples and, and all that. Right. Well, it's cool. It's almost like full circle. It's your whole life coming together from your drumming and going to college for music to your love of hip hop and sampling and combining different sounds to your love of dance music and sound design. And you're able to really put that all into one uh, thing, you know, with the music and TV production, I think. Yeah, Totally. Yeah, it's super fun, like, making stuff. I feel like it's sort of lower pressure than making stuff that you're going to put out under your own name. Right. That's, like, that's the hardest. But, you know, this stuff's all kind of anonymous, and it's all background music. It's I think it's by nature. It's a little bit lower pressure. It's fun to just kind of experiment and, like, get a lot of volume out, just do lots of ideas. Yeah. And then so you just kind of connected with somebody that was able to connect you with the right people that do the licensing in that world? Uh, yeah, it was, and it was actually through one of my like electronic releases that ended up on SoundCloud radio and the guy that hosts the SoundCloud radio also does this on the side. Oh, it's like, it all just kind of came around. That's cool. But that also shows it definitely, uh, is good to put things out, you know, and it's not, even if it doesn't become the worldwide hit of the of the earth you know what i mean you don't know who's gonna hear it it, that has an influential thing that could lead to something completely different for your life exactly i mean yeah that's all you can do is like you 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 do the work you make you keep making content and you keep putting it out and the the rest is almost like not up to you i mean yeah you know i haven't like i never became an edm superstar it could still happen right i mean you know i have lots of records that that I'm sitting on that I'm trying to do something with. Yeah. But you know, I've put out some stuff and it's gotten me into, into some other situations. So yeah, that, that's all you can do. You can't really control what happens. You just gotta keep, keep doing stuff. Yeah. Oh no, that's great advice. Um, yeah, exactly. I think some people maybe get disheartened by like, Oh, I didn't get enough likes or not enough people downloaded it, or it didn't get the response I thought, but you just really never know who's listening. And Really, you just have to do it for yourself and do it for the right reasons, you know, not always worry about getting that quick response from people or something. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's it's hard because you're just you're just working for what feels like nothing a lot of the time. Yes, but totally. That's just that's just part of the game. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're you're so busy doing all these different things. Um do, do you have any other future goals or things that you want to try to make happen or collaborations or just plans for things that you, you know, projects? Yeah. I mean, long term, I really want to build a production career that is 
sort of independent from my DJ career. Right. Um, I, I don't necessarily want to be DJing full time forever. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely rough on your health and you know, yeah. I don't want to be up. I'm, I'm over doing the all night stuff. I love the pools. I love playing the pools in Vegas cause I'm get home at five 30 and I can relax and it's, it's great. Yeah. I have no desire to be up till 5 a.m. every day. I mean, when I lived in Chicago, I was going to bed at 6 a.m. for like 10 years straight. <laughs> it's right. um, it's not, it's not sustainable. No. You know, you can kind of bounce back from that in your 20s, but you don't want to be doing that when you're 50. Oh my God. Yeah. It's um, <laughs> so I, re- yeah, I really want to, I really want to build a, a production career that's sort of separate from that. And in the meantime, you know, I'm, I am enjoying DJing again. I, I think I've found, I think I've come to peace with with what it is, and and I've I'm enjoying it as much as I can at the moment. Um, you know, I think I I sort of struggled with that for a long time, like trying to make every gig into what I wanted it to be. Right. Like, trying to always push like my taste. Now, like I leave my taste at the door. Like I don't play music I like. I play what works. <laughs> right. Like hundred percent. I can't. Like I'm the kind of person like I can't go that direction at all because it 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 just it won't work. My taste is so far from what's going on in the clubs at a typical top forty mainstream venue. It's so far away from that that like I just have to leave that out entirely. Right. I'm just I'm just going for what is going to be the most effective, and that's that's it. And I enjoy that. And I mean, I it's I it's way more fun playing music you don't like for people that enjoy it than it is to play music you like for people that don't enjoy it that's the worst like you never want to do that that's so interesting it's it's true it's the bat that is like the endless battle of a dj right and like you do want to be playing music you love and coming from this genuine standpoint but at the same time you're there to make everybody have a good time and facilitate a party and so if that means playing music that they love that you don't love that's what I try to explain to people sometimes. Like I have a better time playing a song that maybe they all love singing along to that I probably wouldn't yeah. listen to or want to even hear than me playing some song that I want to hear and everybody's looking at me like this sucks. <laughs> so Yeah. No, that's the worst. That is nothing worse than that. You know, and it's great when you're playing music you love for people that love of it. Of course, that's but- the ultimate, you know, connection if you can do that, but not every DJ has that luxury and even DJs that do, it's not every gig is like that. Right. I mean, that's something I get to do like a couple times a year, maybe. Right. The rest of the time, I mean, I'm just playing. I mean, and I think uh, it sounds a little bit negative. I think it is getting better. Like a few years ago, everything got so hip hop heavy. It got really boring and really not enjoyable for me. Uh, I've been really excited that like house and EDM have have started coming back in, in some sort of format. And I feel like now I can... I can get away with playing now a lot more, uh, like a lot closer to how I was playing like 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, also like pre three style, I wasn't playing hip hop like at all. I was like my last residency in Chicago was a multi-room club that it was like mainstream EDM, um, like electro and progressive house in the main room. And that's where I played. I played there every week. Downstairs, they had hip hop. I literally never played the hip hop room. Yeah. So like, I wasn't. That wasn't me. <laughs> right. 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 And then it had this whole reversal. Once I got out of Chicago, was traveling, everyone just thought I was the hip hop guy. Right. Which I always thought was weird because even 
in my three style sets, I always had EDM up yeah. front. Like all my all my three style sets start with electronic music, and I did that on purpose because I knew like I want to go this direction. Yeah. So, I, and then people would say, "Oh, like, well, we booked you for three style," and I would show up and like play the same kind of stuff that was at the beginning of all my three style sets, and they like they didn't understand what was going on. I'm like. I don't know. It's like I never <laughs> thought I never thought of myself as a hip hop DJ, but if apparently if you win a DJ battle, you you're just automatically in that category. Yeah, like, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that when somebody when people see someone scratching over electronic music, it somehow like converts to like premiere beats in their head. <laughs> it's like you're not even you know li- I was scratching over Jack beats. Right. And you expect me to show up and play like club rap. It's like, the I don't scratching know part, how we got I guess. There. Yeah. They're like, you're scratching your yeah. hip hop DJ. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's insane. Um, what, what's some <laughs> of the, what's some of the music you're playing, um, that's working for you in Vegas right now? Um, a lot of the, like the, the sort of housier and tech housey stuff, like remix, it's always like remixes of, top 40 remixes of big songs yeah almost always um but yeah i'm able to get away with a lot more of those remixes which makes it a lot more interesting to me and like i'm still playing like um you know when you're playing remixes like these are still like great productions like, yeah um you know it's it it's basically the same as electronic music just with a popular vocal on top you know yeah it's like Something that people um, so can sing along to, you know, that aren't yeah. as seasoned in the EDM stuff. Yeah, it's, especially at the pools, I'm going a lot more that direction. I would say the nighttime gigs are definitely a little bit more hip hop, and that's just that's just the typical stuff. Right. Um, I still I still pretty remix heavy, just because that's kind of what I do, and I can get away with it again. Um, when I first moved to Vegas, a lot of gigs were like no remixes, like no build up, no drop never ever like it's got to be the original version only right um, but but i think i think we've we've moved past that a, a little bit in the, just in the last like since covid you know yeah now um, it's almost like if you're just tasteful about it and you mix them together the originals and the remixes and you do it in the right way yeah. where it's not too much of of either yeah, it's one. always yeah it's always like back and forth it's always both right um but you know it's 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 typical stuff like the same hip hop tracks from 10 years ago, 20 years ago are still yeah, working. They're, totally. Those are still the, those are still the biggest tracks of the night. Like it, it's just, it's just what it is. Like we're still playing. All I do is win and swag surfing yep. and get low. And yeah. And like in the club, like these are still the biggest songs. Like and some of them are 20 years music? old. It's, <laughs> it's I know. crazy. <laughs> It's like, yeah, and then, you know, maybe you throw in some Bad Bunny or something. Yes, yeah. The Latin stuff definitely is is having a big impact right now. Uh, Bad it's Bunny huge, and yeah. beyond. It's, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. I never thought I'd be playing that stuff. I had no Latin music before. Like, um, I played in Ecuador, I think, like, 2018, and that was the first time I even, like, thought about Latin music. Right. Because there, they're, all they wanted was was big room hard edm and reggaeton like that was the format there it's like back and forth crazy <laughs> it was crazy and that was like right when bad bunny was like first kind of making some noise right um and now we're all playing latin music it's they were they were waiting for peppas at that time now <laughs> yeah <laughs> they were manifesting it <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, but I like it. I like just having, being able to have all the different things come together. And like you said, it's made it more of a melting pot type of uh, DJ set again, like it used to be 10 years ago. Yeah, it's it's been a lot more fun recently, just being able to, to move around a bit. Um, are there any um, kind of things you have coming out, projects or releases that you want to tell people about? Um. I don't think there's anything in particular. Um, I'm just, I'm working out a, a plan for all the stuff. I got a lot of, got a ton, huge backlog of 360 videos. I still got to put <laughs> out God, and, me too. And multiple gigs. I haven't even like looked at the footage yet, but you know, that'll all be coming out. And then the music. Yeah. Just stay tuned to my Instagram. Like it's all, I run everything off Instagram now. So dope. Yeah. That's what I noticed. So, so where can people find you? What's your Instagram and what are your other social media places? Yeah. Uh, Trentino music is my main Instagram, um, for the outdoor stuff. It's five foot beta. Um, and that's kind of it. Like I'll be on Facebook and these other things, but really like Instagram is everything now. Yeah, I know. Instagram's like the main thing. Like somebody, I was helping to book a DJ for this uh, private event coming up and they were like, Oh, we want this kind of thing. They're like, this is who we originally hired, but the head people said no. And they're like, you know, do you like, look at his thing? And they showed me his links and I'm like, he doesn't even have Instagram. First of all, he had every other thing, but I'm like, how are you going to just not have Instagram and be trying to do corporate events or clubs or anything? Like, that's what I went to to try to just figure anything else about him. And then when I go to his TikTok, there's like nothing. You know, it was like a cat video or something. Yeah. So it's funny. It's, it's like, yo, people are going to look at that, you guys. Like, whether you like it or not, have stuff up there. Even if it's just a few videos to show what you do, um, that's sort of the top thing that most professional places are going to check. Uh, even more yeah, than your Instagram's website. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think anyone goes to my website. I've always had one, but I don't know what for. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going there. It's like, yeah, Instagram's the first stop for everything. Right. And I think TikTok is becoming a thing. But even with that, you should still, it's almost like Instagram's your more professional like page. And then TikTok yeah, can be your one of TikTok, all the, to keep yeah, growing TikTok's the audience. weird. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I got on TikTok recently and, and I just started putting up some of the 360 videos and like they've done like, okay, but I don't have big numbers on there or anything. Yeah. Um, but it, it feels like it's more for like, like TikTok's more content based. Instagram is still a little bit more like creator based where, you know, people follow you and, and your stuff. TikTok is just like whatever hot whatever video is like killing right now that's what you're gonna see yeah yeah and just like niche based like okay this person fishes for pieces of metal with a magnet (laughs) every day you know this person djs weddings and this person djs you know i don't know indian parties you know everything has like like the more concentrated you are then people see it rather than just like yo i'm a dj (laughs) like the old school way yeah um you have any uh advice for the djs out there listening any last words um i would say just stay healthy uh find something you like doing preferably in the outdoors and you know that'll that'll keep you you know that'll be a good kind of hedge against the rest of the dj lifestyle 
That's great. Yeah. So good. Know, I think people yeah. forget we're stuck inside so much and we're like, I got, yeah. I got to do this. I got to do that. And then you go outside and you're like, Oh God, I feel so much better. <laughs> For real. No, it's, it's, it's huge. It's so, it's something I could not give up at this point. Right. And having interests outside of DJing and outside of your work and just being able to just yeah. have fun. Yeah, with that. I think I, yeah, I think we need to sort of normalize it because yeah. I think for a long time it was like stigmatized. Like if you do anything outside of music, you're like wasting your time, you're wasting your talent or whatever. But I think, um, I think it's starting to change. People are a lot more conscious of their health and well-being, and, and people agree. are talking about it more. And a lot of a lot of my favorite artists are are heavily into other like activities, other sports or whatever. And yeah, it's 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 totally healthy and important and normal. Like, yeah, that's true. Get healthy, y'all. No, uh, you know, but I agree. I think mentally and physically, like that's the way to approach it. And, uh, it's great advice for, for anybody up and coming DJs or people who have been doing it for 20, 30 years. Same, uh, same advice. So amazing. Yo, Trentino, thank you for coming on the 20 podcast. Appreciate it. And, um, maybe I'll see you tonight. I'm headed to Vegas. So <laughs> I'll yeah, give you yeah. a call. Let's, let's get up. Yeah. Let me know. Let get me some know dinner or something before you head out to chicago all right cool thank you so much for coming on and uh i'll see you soon yeah thanks for having me this was super fun for sure all right peace all right huge thank you to trentino for coming on the show so much insight so much quality stuff uh was dropped on this episode i hope you guys enjoyed it and it was great catching up with him and getting to know him better the 20 podcast is produced by beat source join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to djs i'm dj spider signing off peace And that was The 20 with DJ Spider.